The cover of Liz Long's book, Navigating Shitstorms, How to Find Your True Path When Life Gets Rough, depicts a red convertible driving down the road on a sunny summer day. From the rear, we see a fork in the road. The left-hand route leads to Freedomville, but the road to the right leads to Victim Town. I'm Carol Harmon, your host for this episode of Writer's Radio. We begin with Liz reading from her book. The Prologue It's November 22nd, 2020, and I'm not traveling for pleasure. I'm not about to embark on a vacation. I'm on my way for a self-imposed stay at a... I'm not sure what to call it. A place, I guess. When I was organizing to leave and letting a few people know, I got out of naming it by sending them the link to the website. This is where I'm going. I'll let you know when I'm out, I said. Some might call it rehab or a treatment center. Joking around, my best friend and I called it the puzzle factory and the place for broken toys. It's kind of irrelevant anyway. I mean, Who cares what it's called? It's not like someone is making me go. I haven't been committed. There was no intervention. I always knew I was collateral damage as a child. That was just part of my life, and I didn't give it much thought. In 1968, Linda White, my favorite aunt and babysitter, disappeared. At the age of 19, in her first year at the University of Western Ontario, She vanished. I was six. I witnessed firsthand the devastation that the not knowing if she was alive or dead brought to our family. For five excruciating years of my childhood, this angst consumed us. We endured divorces, financial crisis, and the death of my baby sister. My maternal grandmother's grief-driven psychosis and my grandfather's debilitating stroke required my mother to step into the role of managing police detectives and private investigators and to completely check out of parenting. The cherry on top was when we moved in with my grandparents and I was given Linda's bedroom. So many people suffered, but two children were trapped in the frontline turmoil. I was one of those children. I wouldn't know for most of my life what that really meant. The discovery of Linda's body in 1973 only led to more conjecture and unanswerable questions. My remaining years at home brought random evidence discoveries, regular visits from psychics with new insights, and retiring detectives stopping by to tell us they were not giving up. My coping mechanisms were not unique. The new and different behaviors I adopted, along with my beliefs about the world, had one consistent and laser-focused purpose, to protect myself from everything. It became second nature for me to avoid getting snatched. I braced myself for people I loved to abandon me. I knew my needs were not important. 
I locked the overwhelming helplessness deep inside and did everything within my power to be self-reliant and shield myself from further hurt of any kind whatsoever. That is, until late 2020 when, at the age of 58, all the shit that I'd shoved down and locked up began to bubble up and leak out. And I cracked, just like a modern-day Humpty Dumpty, and I checked myself into the place. But many months after returning home, there was still something missing, an elusive lens through which my life would finally make sense. So I gave it a name. It's called Victim Town. You may think you've never been there, but I can say with certainty that you have. We all have. Victim Town and all the places that exist there changed the way I thought about our world. Victim Town offers a fresh perspective about the voices in our head. And this is pretty important stuff because our inner dialogue forms the foundation of our mental health. You may not think of yourself as a victim. I sure didn't, and I can be stubborn. So it was a slow and very begrudging journey that eventually led me to this truth. To varying degrees, every one of us is a victim of our childhood. I ran smack into the realization that my childhood coping mechanisms were never meant to be permanent. I discovered that spending a certain amount of time in victim town is not only unavoidable, but it can also offer unparalleled gifts. And that's what eventually got the job done for me. Well, we can't absolutely stop bad things from happening, my book will show you a fresh way of looking at life. It's an introduction to another voice, one that I call our heart voice. And we all have one. We were born with it. Your heart voice will help you navigate victim town and, when you're ready, find your way out and be on your way to Freedomville. It'll also help you navigate shitstorms throughout your life. Liz and I met in Gary's studio to record her readings and our conversation. I asked her about her aspirations for her book. One of my top wishes for the book is that it will spark a new awareness for people to realize where they're at in some of the places in victim town that by naming the places and describing how the voice at that place which is the other voice in our head i mean we all have inner dialogue and a conversation in our, inside our own head and there's there's two voices victim town all the places there represent a different voice in our head and that's the one that is that is trying to control us and to keep us afraid the voice that talks back to that is what i call our heart voice 
I would like for people to realize that we all were born with a heart voice and that we can do things to strengthen that heart voice, to encourage it to show up more often and to speak louder. Then we can act on it and enjoy the wisdom that is innately available for our unique life purpose and, and our journey. Every single human has a heart voice. And I talk more in my book about what I have titled the heart voice power plan, which describes strategies and, and tips to, to do the things that will entice that part of us to show up more often. And, and that experience is also a little bit different for, for each of us. I encourage people on this journey to trust their instincts about what feels right for them to employ in their healing, growing journey, to not do things that they think they should do or that other people have done. There's so many different things available now for, for mental health. It's our responsibility to to heal, to heal the shit that happened in our childhoods. And we all had something, one of the, one of the most interesting things that came out of my, my research, because after my time at the place, I took a few months to, more than a few months, to integrate all the things I learned and get back into my own life. I started doing research about childhood trauma, read all of the, the great books, and the most surprising thing that came out of that was that the aspect that played the biggest role in how we fared as an adult was not necessarily the severity of, of what actually happened to us when we were a kid. What was most indicative about how we fared was how, as a child, we responded to it. Every child is different. Some are very resilient and Hugely traumatic events may not affect them to the same extent as another child. And also something that might be judged, and, and I mean, the severity of anything that happens is just a judgment, might be judged as a, a little event or, or benign, and it could cause that child to completely lose their way. That was really eye-opening to me because it, we naturally want to compare. People will say, oh, well... <laughs> My childhood wasn't nearly that bad. We didn't have a family member disappear or we can always find somebody who had as a judgment, something more difficult to deal with and somebody that had something less. And that's not the point. Now Liz will take us on a guided tour of Victim Town. The population of Victim Town. It's not pleasant to admit you have a victim mentality. Yet, we all do have it at some point in our lives, for our own reasons, about distinct issues, for varying amounts of time. 
I was six years old when I started to listen to the voices of Victim Town. Like most of us, I had no idea what I was doing. Nor did I recognize the voices in each place for what they really were. They were loud and convincing, and I believed every single thing they said. Every person on earth shows up in Victim Town at one time or another. Victims of crime, yes, but all the good people who are dealt undeserving blows of any description can also be found here. Victim Town is where we go when we're not quite ready to face the pain. It's an equal opportunity place for all humans. This includes detectives and perpetrators too. That's because the people who've caused us pain are in at least as much pain themselves. It's not a bad thing to land in victim town. On the contrary, all the places here can serve our best interests. Naming them has the power to jolt us into awareness of our futile behaviors. It's much easier to figure out our shit when we know exactly where we are. You will most certainly find one or more of these places familiar. The ego arena's irresistible marketing efforts lure us into victim town. Entertainment abounds in this massive gathering place. We're all too afraid of missing the show to leave. Voices on a loudspeaker amplify the voice in each of our own minds with a mission to dial up the drama and chaos and instill fear. The control factory is where my mother had a long career and my ex-husband too, and a few ex-boyfriends. Okay, almost all of them. Because I worked there myself for most of my life, I didn't meet many people anywhere else. The boss upholds three shitty beliefs as core values of this company. Shitty belief number one, I am unlovable. This includes, I am not blank enough. Number two, my needs are not important, which translates into feeling unworthy. And shitty belief number three is, the world is unsafe. I toil tirelessly to achieve success here. When I couldn't cut the mustard, the maitre d' would show me to the private back room of the guilt and shame cafe. He'd say, you are completely inadequate, as he set a bottle of wine on the table for me. I deserved to be there. With my bullhorn ready in the trunk, I was a champion grudge holder for a long, long, long time. I still catch myself pulling into the resentment parking lot on occasion. It used to be fun to park there and laugh heartily at the people who did me wrong and judge them for all of their inadequacies. Although I didn't fill up at the Anger gas station often, I knew where it was. I used the fuel from time to time and I was also along for the ride on many occasions. The owner would yell, you don't have to stand for this, do something. Inevitably, I'd end up floating in the sorrow swampland, listening to a soft voice singing to me that I'd never be able to move on. And I'd try not to sink to the bottom, but I wondered if I'd find peace there. Whenever I got tired of bouncing around from one place to the next, I'd, I'd head for the denial trails, 
Always such a vibrant and fun place. At least, that's what everyone thinks. I've logged so many miles on these trails that my hiking boots are threadbare. I should also let you know that each of the places in Victimtown has its own voice. You may have heard their messages yourself. All the town voices are violent communicators. They're manipulative and coercive in a very crafty and unstoppable way. At least there is one location of reprieve here, the Meditation Meadow. It's the only quiet place in Victim Town, and it's very special. Liz, you've given us an overview of Victim Town. Can you give us an overview of Freedomville? Freedomville is, I think, what we all aspire to to feeling and, and being. It's where it's where we're not yearning anymore. It's where we feel the peace, love, freedom, and joy that we're all meant to experience in our time here on earth. I think that we all need to experience victim town and some of those places first to recognize, to heal our wounds from childhood. Freedomville is an idyllic place where firstly, we have to love ourselves and once we can truly love ourselves without limits or conditions, then we can live with what I call intrinsic courage. It's my belief that intrinsic courage has the power to change our world. I thought it was really smart when I came up with this definition um, and honorable. And the implementing it into our lives is, can be, a little more challenging. So intrinsic courage is our ability to view every past experience and every current situation and every person involved with compassion and love. And every person also includes ourselves. <laughs> Great. And for you, every person must include, does it? Yes. The abductor of Linda? Yes, it absolutely does. And if I am blessed or fortunate enough to have the opportunity, it will be my greatest achievement to genuinely approach that person with compassion and love. Wow, that's quite a big statement. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I might need a little bit of help and encouragement <laughs> if that day ever arrives. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not an easy step. I don't think that anybody can be prepared to extend that outward to other people until they have first been able to embrace it for themselves. Yes. 
Well, what struck me about your book was uh, obviously the, you know, dramatic memoir material is very engaging and, you know, the backstory on it, but how you took this long experience of overcoming limitations and coming out the other side with a healing model, and you then turned it into a book, gave it back. Thank you. Thank you. I feel for the first time in my life that this is my purpose. I believe wholeheartedly all the things that I experienced and Linda's role in my life was predestined, designed to to bring me to this. And some of us find that at an earlier age or time than others. I still have those shitty voices in my head that will say, well, you're a little slow. I mean, took you took you almost 50 years. And at the same time, you know, we we all do things, we learn things, we heal, we we grow when when we're ready to. We conclude with Liz reading about an incident from her childhood when she was a schoolgirl resident of Victim Town. Chapter 13 The Meditation Meadow. At the end of September, after I moved into my grandparents' house, I was the new girl at school. Still a little shaky from adjusting to Linda's bedroom and still very much afraid of getting snatched, I was on high alert. It was before recess on my first day and I hadn't yet met any of my fourth grade classmates when it happened. Maybe I was bored, I might have been tired or just in a daze, I don't remember, but I do know that it would never have happened if my mouth hadn't have been open while I was sitting in math class. Now, I can't imagine my mouth was completely wide open, but obviously there was more than enough space between my lips. Something flew in. I shit you not. And it was buzzing around in there, banging the insides of my cheeks and the roof of my mouth. Quick, close your mouth. If anyone sees a fly coming out of your mouth, You'll be known as the, the fly girl, and your life at this new school will be over forever. It took all of my concentration to sit still. As the fly valiantly searched for an exit, my eyes betrayed me and got bigger and bigger as I mentally gauged whether the kids sitting in the next desk to me would be able to hear the buzzing because in my head, it was super loud. What if it flies out your nose? Plug your nose. No, don't plug your nose. Some kid will ask what you're doing. Feeling like I was about to scream, I took a deep breath through my nose and closed my eyes. Another breath, slowly, and another. I started to calm down. And then it came to me. I knew what I had to do. It was my only option. With focus and determination, I opened my eyes, gripped the sides of my chair with both hands, and 
took one more deep breath as I counted to three. And then, with pursed lips, I swallowed. I swallowed hard. But it didn't go all the way down. Now, it was stuck in my throat. And it was still buzzing. Water. I need water. I thought about putting my hand up to ask if I could go get a drink from the fountain in the hall, but... I knew opening my mouth just yet was way too risky. So, conjuring up as much saliva as I could, I swallowed again and again. And I kept swallowing until I couldn't feel that fly flying around inside me anymore. Victory. Liz Long of Seashelt, British Columbia, Canada, joined us today to share her thoughts and readings from Navigating Shitstorms, How to Find Your True Path When Life Gets Rough, which was published in August 2023 by Greenleaf Book Group Press. It may be ordered from Indigo, Amazon, and Barnes & Noble. Ask for it at your local bookstore to help spread the word. Visit LizLongWrites.com to learn more about this project. Liz plans to produce a guidebook and learning resources, including for business. Thanks to Liz and to my fellow producers of Writers Radio, Ingrid Rose and Gary Sill. Gary composes and produces the music for all our programs. And special thanks to you, dear listener, You have been listening to Writers Radio, a non-commercial collaborative project which presents talented writers reading their own work. These stories, essays, and conversations revisit the long tradition of oral storytelling that connects us to the inspiration behind the words. Be sure to check the website, writersradio.ca, to subscribe to our free notifications list It's also a way of letting the writers know you are there and appreciating their creative work. Writers Radio broadcasts from Half Moon Bay on the Sunshine Coast in Canada. Traditional tribal land of the Shishel Nation of the Coast Salish peoples. We express our gratitude for their wisdom teachings and land stewardship. Thank you.